You're listening to the Business of Pharmacy podcast with me, your host, Mike Kelzer. Jesse, for those that haven't come across you online, introduce yourself and tell our listeners what we're talking about today. I'm Jesse Brashear. I'm the co-owner of Brashear's Pharmacy in Central Florida, second-generation pharmacy owner, and today we're going to be talking about PBM reform on the state level and how pharmacy owners and pharmacists can get involved. Jesse, you've had some good success on the political front for change in pharmacy, and it's interesting that your background was political science. Has that made a difference in what you have done, or do you think even without that, you would have been ruffling some feathers there? I would say, no, it didn't make a difference. I would tell you that my wife would say, no, it absolutely made a difference. (laughs) I got involved in the state legislature. I worked in the House and I worked in the Senate while I was in college. And so I had that background, but I have been out of it for 20 years. I was in college. I dipped my toes a little bit into it, worked a couple of legislative sessions, and then left that world completely to, to go into pharmacy, work in the pharmacy business world. Over the years, as PBM issues have gotten more and more on the forefront, and as pharmacy owners, we had to take a look at our businesses and say, wait, we got to start doing something. I think I did a lot of what normal people do for many years. I wrote letters. I called my state representative. I called my state senator. I called my congressman. We invited our congressman, Daniel Webster, visited both of our pharmacies during campaign seasons in 2016 and 2018. And so I did things like that, things that are trying to raise awareness of, hey, there's really an issue here on on both a national level and a state level that pharmacies need EBM reform. Drug prices are going up. Pharmacies are going out of business. This isn't sustainable. And of course, that really got me nowhere. So that kind of level in, in involvement that I've had in recent years. This year was different. This year, actually it started last year, I got a call from another pharmacy owner, Don Butterfield, down in South Florida. And there had been a group that was formed prior to my involvement with this, but small business pharmacies aligned for reform. And a group of pharmacy owners got together for the sole purpose of hiring a lobbyist in the state of Florida to go to Tallahassee, our capital, and lobby for pharmacy PBM reform. And I got involved with that last year, went to one of their annual meetings and helped get that re-kicked off, joined as a member, and then stayed involved with that a little bit over the rest of the year. And then in March of this year, I got a text message from Don saying, hey, we need a pharmacy owner to go to Tallahassee and walk around with our lobbyist and knock on some state representative doors. The lobbyist will do most of the talking, I was told. And I remember just sitting at my desk at work and I pulled up my calendar and there was nothing pressing on my calendar. And I said, all right, I can go. I remember going up that first day and thinking in some ways I was feeling a little cocky. And I'll tell you, Mike, I walked into the Capitol Rotunda and I knew I was meeting this lobbyist and we'd already connected about where to meet up. And I get there and I walk up to the elevator bank and I walk onto the elevator and there's no buttons inside the elevator. 
you know, you start thinking, what do I do now? And so I get off the elevator and I start looking around and I go, I must be an idiot. I don't even know how to get on the elevator in this place. <laughs> and apparently it was this little kiosk out in front that you tell it what floor you're going to. And it tells you which elevator bank to hop on. But I'd not seen that before. I live in a little town. So that kind of brought me down to, to the ground level. But I eventually figured out the elevator and moved forward. And I would tell this to any pharmacy owner, if you're going up to the state capitol, if you're going up to lobby for PBM reform issues, the first thing you want to do is you want to go and knock on your state representative's door and introduce yourself, thank them for whatever efforts they've done on your behalf already, and then ask their advice. They're connected to all their colleagues up there. They're going to tell you, hey, you need to go and meet with senators such and such, and you need to go meet with this representative on this committee. And that's really your first step, get in the door. When you say knock on the door, you're being figurative that you would set something up or did you physically just go and hope to run into people? That first day, I was really just going up to meet our lobbyist and I didn't really have a plan beyond that. I didn't know what they had lined up. It was new for me. I had not contacted them before. Our president, Don, had been the main point of contact. But yes, literally go and knock on their door. If the legislature is in session, they're going to be in their office or their, their staff will be there. Maybe you need to get an appointment to come back. Maybe you should call ahead. But it's really interesting the different levels of impact that communication with your legislator can have. Sending an email in this day and age is about worthless because everybody can send an email. All the major organizations will just send out draft blast emails. And there's so many of them, they can't be read. Making a phone call, that's important. They notate that down when you call. Even if you're getting their voicemail or something, they're still listening yes, to Yes, especially if you're a constituent. Sending a handwritten letter or a typed up letter, that gets read by somebody, a staff member. But I would tell you that the most impactful thing you can do as a pharmacy owner that's lobbying for PBM reform is taking the time out of your day to go to your state capitol and meet with your legislator in person in their office. They understand the significance of a constituent that has gotten a pharmacist to cover their store for them or yeah. that has taken time out of their day to, to go up there and meet with them in person. That is really impactful. When they send out all those emails, I got to figure that it's not going to help the legislators understand the issue anymore, because if you already have the email structure set up by somebody, it seems almost to me like it might be more of a vote. Like, hey, we got X hundred from this group and we got half of that from this group. But the letter and the phone calls in that they're listening to. They do. That staff works closely with that member, with that legislator, either representative or senator. If they start getting a lot, that gets recorded, that gets noticed. Over the years, I remember one time I called up our state representative's office. He's a physician here in our county. He's been here a long time. He's got a great reputation as a physician. He's had a great reputation as a state representative. And I remember calling up his office for the first time and getting his staff. And I remember not really knowing who I was calling or what, but I remember calling and trying to introduce myself and explain who I was and to start off the conversation of talking about PBM reform. And I remember his aide said, hey, Jesse, it's okay. I work for his medical office. I know exactly who you are. It's like, oh, thank you so much. 
especially with state legislators, their districts are not huge. And that's like, what, your city or something back in your town in Florida? I'm in more of a rural area or a suburban area, so it's generally countywide. All right, Jesse, here's what I want to ask you. You got a poli-sci degree. What were your aspirations and what clouded those aspirations once you saw it? In about 1991, my parents started a infusion pharmacy franchise called Vital Care. And Vital Care is still a infusion company today. And my grandmother was the bookkeeper. And it was just a few blocks away from my high school. So very often I would leave school and walk over to the office, as we called it then, and sit around waiting for my mother to get off work or my dad to get off work. And I would hang out with my grandmother. And she was a great fan of government and politics and current events. And she always had on the news. And we would sit there and talk about George W. Bush and Congress and government on state and federal level. And it was probably because of her that I said, hey, I really like this stuff. This is really interesting to me. What did you think you would be doing three years after graduation? I would tell you, Mike, I didn't necessarily have a plan. I'm not much of a strategic, long-term thinker. I know that everybody wants to say that they are. I'll just be honest and say that I'm not. I didn't have my whole life planned out for me. I thought maybe I'd go to law school. That didn't really seem to work out. I thought maybe I'd be an urban planner. That didn't seem to go anywhere. It's funny you put yourself in the lower half of long-range planners. If you ask people, like, 80% of them would say they're better than an average driver. Things like that. Mathematically, that's not true. But you're either in the top 50 or the bottom 50. So some of those I read and I just come out and admit it. It's like, all right, I'm a crappy driver. I'm not paying attention or my mind's somewhere else. And so that's refreshing to hear because on a lot of things, I'm way below average. And that's true for me as well, Mike. I was just going through one of my podcast that's yet to be published. And the guest was mentioning how much we know in the industry and most workers in certain industries do that where they diminish their knowledge because they're hanging around those people all day. They think they're having maybe mundane conversations, but that's because everybody's at a higher level. And I think PBMs on purpose have put up the smoke and mirrors that I think there's a huge divide between what pharmacists know and what the average legislator knows. And then as soon as you think the legislators know something, typically if the PBMs get wind that they might know something, they're going to be right in there saying, "Ah, don't listen to them. They're greedy pharmacists. I'll give you a story of I was sitting in front of a committee before it started this year and had been working with two lobbyists that Spar had hired, one of which is Lieutenant Governor Jeff Kotkamp. He was Lieutenant Governor years ago. I was reading my speech that I had typed up and prepared to, to go up and give. And he very kindly and gently and encouragingly said, hey, you don't need that. You're an expert on this stuff. Just go up there and talk. And I did. And it was fine. And I didn't die. And I didn't stumble over my words. And I actually knew what I was talking about. But he had seen me go and do that several times already. And so 
That that was just great encouragement. Yes, I know more about this. Think I do sometimes. I like that phrase. I don't know who said it, but it's something like, you might have important things to say and your voice might shake, but say it anyways kind of thing. Because there's such good information, but I think we're more focused on the messenger than than the message. So, Jesse, with that in mind, at some point then, did you have to make a plea or something like that in front of a group? Yes, several times, many times. So after that first day up in Tallahassee, meeting with my state legislator, meeting, go, visiting other offices, I even tell you, Mike, I went to our state senator's office and the door was locked. So I just took a picture in front of his office with my phone and sent it to him on Twitter saying, hey, was here to talk to you about PBM reform issues. You weren't here. Just stop to say hi. Really need your help on this. And uh, and he saw that. He responded on Twitter. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it was. So yeah, I would go up to the committee meetings when the bill was being moved through the legislature. Every time a committee hears a bill, there's time for public comment on the bill. And so I would go up and just, I wasn't giving sworn testimony. I was giving public comment. And I would go up there and speak just very personally that there are plenty of people. There were other people from the pharmacy, Florida Pharmacy Association that were coming to speak. There were industry experts. So I would just go up and make it personal, Mike. I would tell them who I was. I would tell them I'm a second generation of pharmacy owner. I'd talk about why for our patients and our business, PBM reform is important. And just put a, a human face on the whole thing. There's a common refrain that would go through my head throughout some of this, and NCPA has been such a great advocate for independent pharmacy on PBM reform issues. I remember Doug Hoy has said many times, get into politics or get out of pharmacy, and it's so true. I think the U.S. government is set up this way that it's supposed to be slow. Our founding fathers kind of set it up for all the checks and balances and so on, and it's so slow sometimes, but I think the problem is for reform to happen, sometimes you don't know who's going to break through. That's why you got to keep going for it. You never know who's going to be that one voice that makes it through. And so that just makes everybody keep doing it. But I don't know. I think back to my days, Jesse, like when I did stuff, this is when I was new in the business and 20 years into it. And I think back, it's like, was that beneficial at all? It probably was, but it just gets depressing with the, just the largeness of it. It's just depressing sometimes. It is depressing, but joy comes in the morning. And we experienced that in Florida this year. And I want every state to experience that. I'll tell you, in going up and trying to make this very personal for legislators, we had an opportunity during one of the committee meetings. It was during my children's spring break, and we had plans to go out of town for spring break. And a couple of days before we were supposed to go, we got word that, hey, the bill's coming up in front of committee and who can go. And my wife and I talked about it and I said, hey, I, I think we should just go to Tallahassee for spring break. And, and speak on this bill. And it felt like that needed to be the priority. Like, we're, we need to be on mission about this. It's now or never. Let's go. But it was great because 
I got to sit in several legislative committees with my three children. They're age seventh, fifth, and third grade. And we dressed them up as nice as we could, those ragamuffins that they are, and put them there on the second row in these state capital legislative committees, which are very nice rooms. And I would still go up there and speak and give public comment on the bill as it was moving through the process. And in, in those instances, with my children behind me, I would be able to say, hey, I'm a second generation pharmacy owner, but I'm not sure that there's going to be a third generation without PBM reform. And I could turn to my children and say, and here's why I'm standing here with you. I got up in front of a house committee and said, I canceled my children's spring break to be here with you guys today. And that made a huge impact. The committee chairman, when I got done speaking, asked for the Brashear children to stand up and be recognized. And all of the subcommittee members all clapped for for my kids for being there that day. That was so Oh, impactful. that's cool. It was cool. Oh my gosh, that is a memory they will have their whole lives. When I speak about my past with the legislative stuff, when I was very involved back then, we would have legislative days and breakfasts and things, and we'd invite a bunch in. I think the problem back then was, this is the like mid-90s, it's starting to get, you're seeing signs of it, but there didn't seem like there was a lot of stuff to really press for anything. There wasn't really a bill. Now, maybe we should have had some forethought and made a bill early in this process, but I guess ours was always just nebulous of, hey, we're pharmacists and we do a lot for the constituents and support us. And I guess it never seemed like much was being done. But the main reason is we weren't really asking for anything. So how could it be done? And I think sometimes that's the beauty of having something so bad that stuff has to happen. Because in your case there, that would seem very valuable to go once that bill's already there. However, Jesse, how do you think it got to that point where there was a bill? Was that from you guys doing the same thing? And do the senators, do they have enough impetus to say, hey, that's good, Jesse, we're going to start a bill out of that. It seems like there has to be a certain spark or a certain straw with the camel's back for that to happen. First and foremost, I do not want to overrepresent myself. I played a small part in this. I was involved heavily this year as much as I could be, but this took years of work by industry groups, by state associations, by pharmacists, by pharmacy owners, pharmacists holding dinners for legislators, pharmacists holding fundraisers for legislators. I'd say two other things that really made a big difference is we got two pharmacists elected to the Florida State House last year. And between the two of them, and whoever it was that got to Governor DeSantis's office to get him to start talking, to understand the importance of PBM reform, all those things combined led to the momentum that we needed to get a bill filed and start to get it heard by the House and Senate leadership. Speaking of DeSantis then, Jesse, how much do you think, and this is just in general, let's say he doesn't really have a big dog in the fight. How much do you think that he really knows about stuff in terms of, like when he, I imagine either there was or is going to be a signing day where they get all their fancy pens and do this kind of stuff. 
Do you think they have a pretty good handle on that? Or are they just like taking the word from their staff and stuff? So I happened to be invited to the bill signing for this PBM. Very cool. And I would tell you that Governor DeSantis was very well prepared to answer any question that was coming up about PBM reform and why we just passed this bill. Really? Oh, yeah. He was able to speak about it. He knew the importance of it. He had press conferences in January of this year about the need for PBM reform. He had signed an executive order directing some state agencies to start making positive changes in insurance regulation. Mm. He knew this issue as well as you would hope. We've seen enough times where it was a health care bill. It was going to take the one from Obamacare or something. They have 12 hours to vote. It would take someone like 27 hours to read it all or something like that. There's just no way that these people can understand all this stuff. And then I never knew this until I actually read it. I found it hard to believe, but sometimes the different states will want certain, what do they call it? Pork or what do they call it in the bills? Pork. Pork in the bills where it'll be a whole health care bill. And then someone will have in there something like we want a new basketball court for the YMCA. Or I mean, it's just like not even there. Some stuff's not even associated. So in, in Florida, everything within the bill has to be germane to one another, meaning it all has to be about the same thing. You can't have a bill about one thing and insert something in there that you want just because you know it's going to get passed then. Yeah. That doesn't work. Jesse, as the pharmacists are listening to this now, who would you recommend getting involved? And is the answer everybody? Is there certain times where pharmacists can truly make more of a difference if there's already been a call for input on this and that? Is is there a time when somebody makes more of a difference than not? I would say there's several things a pharmacist can do to get involved in this. And I think everybody can be involved in some way. Some pharmacists, the best thing they maybe could do, or maybe the thing that's going to be the easiest for them, and instead of another pharmacist that is maybe struggling more, is writing checks, writing a donation to a legislator, hosting a fundraiser for a legislator for themselves and other pharmacy owners in their area. I think too often we are siloed away from our colleagues that are also pharmacy owners in our area or even just statewide. And we have to start talking more and more. So some pharmacists need to be writing checks. Some pharmacists that are close to the capital need to nominate themselves for being able to go and be advocates on pharmacy issues. Somebody needs to decide if, hey, is our statewide pharmacy association really being a good enough advocate for independent pharmacy? Can we work with them? Good. Can we work with them? And do we need to also do something else on the side? Probably. That's what I have seen happen here in Florida. Florida Pharmacy Association does what they do, but a group of pharmacy owners got together and said, no, we need to step aside and do something separate from our statewide association. So we're going to get a bunch of pharmacy owners together. We're going to put our money up front and we're going to hire a professional lobbyist to go and speak on these issues. And do I think that in and of itself is enough? No, I think everybody needs to be doing something. Many hands make light work. Expecting that your statewide organization is going to do everything for you is not going to work. Picking up the phone and calling your 
pharmacy owner across the street and having conversations about this is important. Everybody can do something and that will eventually move the needle. Yeah, it's interesting with the organizations because you've got some national ones like the NCPA that's for community pharmacy. But when you get to the state ones, you had a state association and there's a small percentage of pharmacy owners in there, although the percentage is skewed because there are probably not as many chain pharmacists as there could be. But it's a big ask for the state associations when they're helping with everybody, just numerically, they probably don't have enough either resources or just mental resources. I've been an NCPA member for as long as I can imagine. Part of that is because I feel like they are really, truly excellent advocates for pharmacy issues on a federal level. Not sure that our state association is there with them. And so that's why I've seen other side organizations formed for lobbying purposes. I've had Scott Newman on from PUT, and I remember when we talked about that grassroots getting going for finances and just boots on the ground. That's what has happened in Florida. That's what helped. SPAR was not the only advocate for this bill. SPAR is not the reason that this bill got passed in Florida. And it's really interesting. I remember talking to a pharmacist after the fact and said, do you really think that all of the pharmacy organizations, because I could just see what I could see. I was focused on, hey, there's a committee coming up. Jesse's going to go up there and speak because nobody else can be there. I can go and do that. And I asked him afterwards, were the organizations all talking to one another behind the scenes, working together on this? And he said, no, that that doesn't happen. I was like, okay, we need to work on that. I guess I'm not as involved as I could be, but I know a complaint from a lot of my guests that I've had on is just the fracturing of our leadership groups, let's say the big three or four or five or something like that. And sometimes I know for a fact that two of the larger groups came together to have some legislation, but I hear that from a lot of people about the fractured pharmacy leadership. And I don't know enough that it's true or not, but it sounds like we could do better all being on the same page. I think pharmacy is different because the pharmacy is not open unless the pharmacist is there. And so it really makes it difficult to spend any time away from the pharmacy. Absolutely. And, And hardly any other industry is like that. A medical office can be open and taking appointments, getting things scheduled without the physician being there. Pharmacy's different. That's a really good point, Jesse, because if you think about stuff that starts grassroots, like I had been part of a service club, Kiwanis, it focuses on young children. And I was in that from 91 until, golly, 2020. I was in there for like 30 years. I don't know I was that old even. That's what you get when you got your pharmacy degree when you were nine. But that dried up once I had fewer pharmacists around to legally keep the store open. If you think that stuff starts grassroots and pharmacists aren't able to get away to a service club or to go talk to a school or meet up with, let's say that a legislator is going to the hospital and you were going to meet. That's a really good point. And I wonder how much that affects the grassroots of things. It's just an interesting thought. And I think that goes back to the fact that everybody can do something, even though it's not the same. 
everybody is not going to be doing the same thing. One pharmacist maybe needs to be writing the checks. Maybe you've got a bigger store and you've got additional pharmacists that work for you or that work with you. I know that if there are multiple pharmacists on the bench, that makes it easier to step away, right? Maybe that's the person that needs to be driving to Tallahassee or driving to your state capital to be advocating for change because they have that flexibility to remove themselves from the bench occasionally. Jesse, let's say that someone said, Jesse, here's a, a relatively blank checkbook and you can do things federally. How would that differ? I imagine you don't get to probably go knock on the door of the Florida senator in Washington and things like that. How would it differ if you had the resources to do that? I know that some people absolutely do have those resources. NCPA hosts a annual fly-in to the oh, nation's that's right. capital. Yeah. yeah. I've never attended. I've actually always thought, oh, no, I'm, I can't operate at that level. I would just, I've never even considered it, Mike. Because why? I think for a lot of the reasons that we talked about earlier, just to don't feel like I have a good enough understanding of the issues. I've never met anybody that has gone and done that. I'd be interested to hear from somebody that has attended one of those and if it was fruitful for them. Clearly, somebody has the resources because they host it every year. Jesse, if you think back 30 years when your dad was in the pharmacy, it was a different beast because almost everybody coming out of pharmacy school had the dream or at least the possible dream of opening up their own business. And now it's drastically changed where I'm going to call them kids, even though they're 24, but these young punks, they come out and I don't see them doing some of the stuff that we're even talking about now. And maybe I'm all wet. Maybe it's going to be more because they have the DMs on Twitter and they can do different things to make a change. But what are we going to do for the new ones coming out to get them involved. I know we can just say, do it, but I'm trying to think if there's any ways that it would prompt them to do that more than I think they're going to do. When I was in Tallahassee this year, I saw the CEO of the Florida Pharmacy Association walking around with pharmacy students through the state capitol mm. and having them sit in legislative committees for the first time. And so if you're Pharmacy Association isn't doing that. Maybe you're on the leadership team for that association. Maybe you need to suggest that so that people have that that first taste of advocacy. So that the first time they walk into the state capitol isn't when they're 20 years into their career and they're fighting for PBM reform. That is a great thought. Can you imagine if all the, and I guess they do this, but I always see my alma mater, they've got all the people standing around outside the Capitol with a sign or something like that. Fine. But can you imagine really if you had groups that had to go to the state and sit in on those things and have to go at least walk by their senator's office and things? That's a great idea. That would really make a huge difference because it just would. It would just make a big difference. It makes me think, though, of some of the graduates now, I don't know if they've ever even set foot in a pharmacy, which is a scary thing. All the recent ones that I've hired have. Before they went into pharmacy, I didn't say that. Before they went into pharmacy, some students haven't even stepped in a pharmacy. So I've got one pharmacist that's been with us for six or seven years. He had been a technician for a chain for a couple of years before deciding to go to pharmacy school. So he brought 
that experience with him. I've got a, another one. He's the son. He's my cousin. And I got to work with his dad, my uncle, for 19 years before he retired last year. But the son, who now has his PharmD going on a year, and he's worked in our pharmacy since he was 17 or 16. If you think about all of our colleagues that are in the chain pharmacies and hospitals, I wonder what ideas are there for them. Now, I'm putting you on the spot here, so you got to come up with something even better than the one you gave me about going through the capital. I wonder what's out there to get that group more involved. And I guess I'd say it's a chicken and the egg. If they're not involved, maybe they don't care, but I know they do care. I think one thing pharmacy owners could do to help future advocacy efforts on behalf of independent pharmacy is to reach out to those pharmacy students. Maybe when they're on home for break, invite them into the pharmacy to come check yeah. it out. Maybe it's some acquaintance of a friend of yours, their son or daughter that's in pharmacy school. You need to be hounding them. They may not go into a community pharmacy themselves, but you want them to have a taste of what it's like. You want them to understand a little bit of what you're going through, how you're taking care of patients uh, yeah. differently than a hospital pharmacist does, and yet why that really matters. Jesse, put yourself back as an 18-year-old now. Are you taking the same road if it was 2023? Yeah, I'm definitely taking the same road. I would tell you that I've enjoyed my career, that I continue to enjoy it, that I have a great partner and my wife that I get to work alongside. And she is awesome what she does. When we meet people for the first time, they're aware of our family. We say that Elise manages patients and drugs and Jesse manages people and money. And with that, we're a really good team. So I'm very pleased with where I am. Does she ever get jealous that you get to sit and she, as a pharmacist, has to stand? I, I'm sure she does, yes. Probably does. Probably does. I try to walk every morning. I walk a few miles. I get to the pharmacy, and I used to always tell myself that I wasn't going to sit down at all. I used to never sit down. Then I said I wasn't going to sit down until 11 o'clock, that I was going to be active till 11 now I go in and I've actually, it's pretty cool. It's a trend now. You've got the sit-down computer and the stand-up computer. And it's pretty cool because I've taken out one of the drawer sets. So I'm actually down at a desk level, basically, with my legs underneath the counter because there's nothing there. I took that out. And then right next to it, like a foot away from it, is the same exact, it's two monitors into one computer. And so they're identical. So it's pretty cool. So if I'm sitting there and someone comes, I can stand up and just carry it on. But nowadays, my ass is on that stool at about 9.15. I know you've seen this diagram of the evolution of man. When yeah. it's comical, it starts yeah. at a monkey and it works its way <laughs> Neolithic man to modern man. And then it yeah. usually downgrades to something that's unrecognizable, not the peak of humanity. And there's got to be one of those for the evolution of a community pharmacist. Oh, you know, I bet. you go up and up and then finally you're sitting on the stool. Yes, you've heard it said about all the old pharmacists. Uh, he just sits over in the corner. Now here I am doing the same thing. So what, though? It's totally okay. You have my permission. They say sitting is like the second smoking. Sitting all day. I don't mean to pick on you, Jesse. I just heard it, though. I heard that it's the second smoking. I have seen that as well. I don't know what to say. 
<laughs> I chose poorly. I don't know. But hey, at the end of the day, it feels better. It feels so good to stand up, though, when you've sat all day. It does feel good to stand up. Yeah. Do you force yourself up? Or naturally, are you just up enough? I am not up enough. Um, You're not. I'm not. I am so busy clicking, clacking on my keyboard that uh, sometimes I'll go for a run at lunch. And I will do that. Out in the Florida heat. Yeah, I didn't go today, though. It was 95 degrees. I checked the weather. I brought my clothes. I had my running shoes. I decided to stay on a keyboard. All right, Jesse, if I'm a pharmacist listening to this, and maybe the world's given up on me, but let's say I'm a little bit younger, and they're listening to us, and they're saying, Jesse and Mike, that sounds good, but... They haven't been ones to do this, and they don't picture themselves doing it. What can you tell the pharmacist to get them one step further? I would say the first thing to do is pick up your phone and call the person that you know that has been active in your state on these issues and just say, hey, I'm a pharmacy owner. I know that you've been active in this. How can I help? And they're Great. going to be able to tell you, we'll, they'll say, hey, will you come to me, with me to this committee? Or will you host a fundraiser for this legislator? Or will you invite your state representative or your state senator or your congressman to your pharmacy and tell them what it is that you do every day and how you help your patients and why PBM reform is so important? There's already people in your state that are working on these issues. Maybe it's your state association. Maybe it's the person who just has more energy than the rest of us and they can work their 12-hour shift and still sit around like their hair's on fire yelling at legislators. Find that person and ride their coattails to, to your state capital and get involved. We had a pharmacist that came to Tallahassee this year, Danny Jackson. And as much as I was trying to tell a personal story when I would go and meet with legislators, he got up and told the story of having to sell the two pharmacies that his grandfather had started because of DIR fees. And he made such an impact, those legislators, in that story. He owns another pharmacy now, a compounding pharmacy, probably cash only because who wants to deal with DIR fees again? But he came and told his personal story. Personal stories matter. Advocacy matters. Picking up the phone matters. Going up and knocking on the legislators' doors matters. Money matters. My gosh, legislators, they need money for campaigning. They want your money. They need your money. It absolutely makes a difference. Checks matter, not because they're buying votes, but because that shows them what issues are important to their constituents. And that's really okay to support your state legislator. It doesn't matter if they're with your preferred political party or not. You want them to listen to you about pharmacy issues. So it doesn't matter who you are, where you are as a pharmacist, if you've been doing this two years or 20 or 40, you need to get involved in politics or get out of pharmacy. I like that suggestion of calling somebody up who's done it because then you're almost in a negotiation with them where they're like, hey, I'm driving down two days from now. I'm doing this. Why don't you come down and we'll go meet someone? It's a step you've committed to that person. You showed an interest. They're probably not going to let go of you. Nobody likes to ask for help, but everybody likes 
to be asked to help, just call them up and say, I want to help. They're going to pay attention to you. Who is this person? It's the person that when you Google your state, PBM reform and pharmacist, their name comes up. And there's people like that in every state. I would tell you, just ride their coattails, offer to help, see what they need. Maybe there's a legislator that they can't get to that you can. Jesse, it seems to me that we can bitch all we want to about stuff. And unless you've done something beyond the walls of your pharmacy, in my case, I hope that this podcast helps reach out a little bit. And it might be social media to somebody. It might be visiting somebody. But until you've reached out, you really haven't done a whole lot just bitching and griping in the background. Maybe it helps you get energy up to do something. But if that's a common pattern, you really haven't done anything. Mike, my goal for coming on here today, I'm not here to sell a book. I'm not here to drive you to my website. I don't have a product or a supplement that I'm trying to sell. My job, my goal here was to, as a pharmacy owner, encourage other pharmacy owners to get involved in their statewide politics. And I'm as timid as they come. I much prefer to just sit in my office all day. If I'm in a party, I'm the wallflower in the corner. But if I can get up in front of a state legislative committee and advocate for policy change, you can too. Very well put. Jesse, keep doing it. We're going to check in with you again. And it might be that our next picture was DeSantis and you on the golf course or something like that. I don't golf, but if the governor called and wanted me to go golfing, I'd go golfing with him. I've given up on the damn game. I used to do it like once a year with a scramble or something like that. Now it's like, I just give it up. But I refuse to play pickleball. Have you gotten like a million people talking to you about pickleball? Maybe it's an up here thing. Our church has started up like a thing over the summer for it, but I never had time to go. It's like an old people cult. I got enough hobbies. I don't need another one. Jesse, keep doing what you're doing. And thanks for the push for everybody. And you're right. We're not here talking to someone who's trying to get elected or this or that. I say this with all respect. It's a normal person who's making an impact. And that's what it takes. Jesse, thank you very much for joining us today and keep it up. Thank you, Mike, for having me. You've been listening to the Business of Pharmacy podcast with me, your host, Mike Kelzer. Please subscribe for all future episodes. Thank you.